Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. We had a big blizzard hit the Denver area recently, and my little three-and-a-half-year-old Eleanor was so excited. She was looking out the window, seeing all the snow pouring down, and she turned to me and said, Dad, is it almost Christmas? <laughs> you know, and then my uh, eldest daughter, Madeline, came home from college as well over Thanksgiving week, and uh, once again, the kids were so excited, especially little Eleanor, and when Eleanor heard that Madeline's coming home today, she says, Dad, does that mean it's Christmas now? <laughs> You know, I love that excitement of a child, so enthusiastic, ex the expectation, the longing for the coming of Christmas. And that's what I want us to replicate in our own hearts and bring into our own homes more this season, because sadly, this great season of Advent, this season of expectation and longing is missed out on us for because of the pressures of the secular culture. You know, if you go to Walmart, for example, when does Christmas begin according to Walmart? I think in September is when they start putting all their Christmas stuff out. Certainly these months of, these weeks of December are just so distracting and it, 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 we you're singing Christmas songs, there's all this Christmas stuff going on. It feels as if Christmas is already here, but we might miss out on the great season of Advent. And we might not be able to give our children and our friends and family the best of this season. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Advent traditions. How do we really live Catholic culture in the home? How do we really live counterculture? If someone looks at you in these weeks of Advent, do they notice something different about your life? Or do you just look like everyone else in the secular world here living December and not living really Advent, you know. So, how do we build Catholic culture in our home, especially? Uh, I want to talk about a number of Advent traditions that we can learn from, and hopefully, really enter into the spirit of the season better. So, welcome back to the All Things Catholic podcast. I want to welcome any new listeners that may be joining us. Thanks for for listening in. You know, I offer free show notes uh, each week, and these show notes are actually going to be very helpful this week because I'm going to offer a number of points that little traditions, little prayers, different uh, rituals, things that you can do in your own home very easily to bring in the Advent season more. I'm going to offer those in the show notes this week. If you want to get those, go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. Again, ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic, and you can subscribe for those free show notes each week. So thanks so much. And let's take a look now at some of these Advent traditions. You know, I want to start with the most basic ones first. So I think many people are familiar with the Advent wreath. You see that wreath that they have at mass and there's four candles there. Three of them are violet. One of them is rose. And the rose one is symbolizing the, the joy that comes on the third week of Advent. The, the, it's the Sunday known as Gaudate Sunday, Rejoice Sunday, because we're rejoicing because it's, it, we're almost there. It's only you know, another week to go. We're almost there at Christmas. Well, Bringing an Advent wreath into the home has been a big Catholic tradition for many centuries, and I love having the Advent wreath right there at the dinner table if I can. Sometimes we put it you know, nearby the table, but most of the time we have it right there on the dinner table because kids love it. They love the Advent wreath, you know, as we light a candle, and then we light the second candle, and then as the third week, we light that the rose one, and the kids get so excited about lighting the candle. It's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you can get an Advent wreath anywhere. You can get it online, get it at your local Catholic store. You can go to Hobby Lobby, you know, so lots of Advent wreaths out there. If you haven't got one yet, go ahead and get an Advent wreath now. Bring it into your home. Your kids will love it. Um, blessing the Advent wreath. Have you ever blessed the Advent wreath? 
that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, I'm going to offer in the show notes uh, a short prayer, a uh, blessing prayer that you can do with your children. Because what you're trying to do with the Advent wreath and lighting candles and a little prayer of blessing the Advent wreath, we're trying to mark this time out as special. We're setting this time apart. This isn't the ordinary time of the year. It is, it's the season of Advent. And we do these special things in Advent. Why? Because like little Eleanor, we're asking, is it Christmas yet? We're so excited. Are we almost there yet? And we're entering into that excitement. And I, I talked about the four candles symbolizing the four weeks, which symbolize really the 4,000 years of biblical salvation history, humanity waiting for the Messiah, 4,000 years of stories in the Bible about that longing for the Messiah. We're entering into that every Advent. We talked about that last week. This is a way to enculturate that in your own home. So try that out. Blessing the Advent wreath, lighting a candle every night. Uh, another thing you do is say a short Advent prayer every night, maybe right around the dinner table, right after you light the candle. Uh, I'll, I'll put an example online or on, on the show notes for you, but you can go online, just type out Advent prayer. And maybe it's just one simple prayer you say, in addition to bless us, O Lord, every night, but just one little prayer. I, I find that these little things, having the wreath out, having candles, lighting candles, blessing the wreath, saying a prayer, these little things really for children is amazing. They, they really, they get a sense of, wow, this is important and a sense of excitement, but it's also good for us adults to remember. This isn't the ordinary time of the year. This is a special time that we're marking out for God. Now, I want to tell you about another little tradition we do in the Sri household here. I, I've learned this from other families as well, uh, is to have a, an empty manger in our living room and the little children can put straw in the manger when they do a good deed or they make a sacrifice. So uh, what is this all about? Well, the idea is, you know, the spirit of Advent is this time when we make a little sacrifice, we do little extra acts of kindness and love and devotion. And for the children, have an empty manger. So you have a little, you could buy, you know, whether it's from your nativity set, just don't put the baby Jesus in yet because he hasn't come yet. That doesn't come till December 25th. Or you can go to Hobby Lobby and you can get a, a little manger thing, whatever, you know, but then we get, we buy some straw and then when one of the children does a kind deed or they make a sacrifice, then they can take a piece of straw and put it in the manger. And the idea is that they, it's a way of tangibly expressing their heart's desire to make a space for Jesus in their lives. So they're, they're by putting the straw there, it's trying to make a more comfortable bed for the baby Jesus. And it's symbolizing what we want to do in our own hearts is make a comfortable bed in our hearts for Christ to come in this Advent season. So I find that to be a fun little thing, motivates especially the little ones to want to do some good things, uh, make sacrifices and enter into the spirit of Advent well. Um, another thing we've done in the Sri family is Advent angels. Maybe you've heard of this one. This is where we'll assign uh, different siblings to each other. Uh, so we'll just kind of, we anonymously assign one sibling to be an Advent angel to another sibling. And every sibling is in charge of someone else, but it's all anonymous. No one knows, no one else knows that you're the Advent angel if you're chosen, you know, that you're, you're helping this brother over here. And so then all of a sudden you're doing little nice deeds for that brother. That's the idea, is the Advent angel does in secret, they try their best in secret to do kind deeds. Like I'm going to go make my brother's bed, or I'm going to go make my brother's lunch for him, or I'm going to do his chore for him today. And he shows up, oh, wow, my chore's already done. Uh, and he doesn't know exactly who does it. Now, usually they figure this out after a week or so, <laughs> but it's still fun, especially when you've got certain siblings that have a little tension in their relationship, you can kind of match them up. That's a nice thing to do. <laughs> so, um, but Advent Angels is a fun thing to bring into the family home. Uh, another great thing to bring in is the Jesse tree. 
Have you all done a Jesse tree? Let me explain what a Jesse tree is. So I'll, I'll go back biblically. It's related to a prophecy found, an important prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11. Here's the background. The Davidic kingdom was the great dynasty. God had promised David and his descendants an everlasting kingdom, that his kingdom would eventually spread to all nations, that this kingdom and the prophets foretold this kingdom would one day be the instrument of bringing blessing to all the other nations. And so the one of the images for the Davidic kingdom was that it was like a big tree, like a tree, and then the birds of the air could find rest in the tree, and the birds symbolized the, the many nations, the many different peoples around the world finding rest in David's kingdom. This is all a prophecy, of course, about the coming of Jesus. Jesus is the true son of David. He's the true king that brings the the fulfillment of all these promises, the great kingdom, the Catholic church that reaches out to all nations. That's the idea here. But there was a period of great suffering for the Davidic kingdom. In 586 BC, so almost six centuries before Christ, a foreign nation came in, Babylon, and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and carried the people off into slavery, even the kings. The kings were now in exile. And even though the Israelites eventually came back to their land and rebuilt Jerusalem, they never had a king ruling over them. It was one foreign nation after another oppressing them, from the Persians to the Medes to the Greeks to the Romans in Jesus' time. So in the midst of this suffering of the Davidic kingdom, Isaiah gives this prophecy. He says, Out of the stump of Jesse, a branch shall spring forth. And the idea is, who is Jesse? Jesse is David's father. And so this great Davidic kingdom that was like a tree has been cut down under the the invasion of Babylon. It's been cut down. It's been reduced to a stump. So the Davidic kingdom is, it's almost like it's it's just lying dormant now, but all that's left is the stump of Jesse, David's father. But Isaiah gives hope in this time of suffering. He says, out of this stump shall come forth a branch, a branch, and then eventually that branch will blossom forth the Messiah. So it was a great prophecy of hope that even though the Davidic dynasty was suffering and lying dormant under all these foreign nations, the Davidic line was continuing, and eventually there would be the Messiah. And so the idea, the Catholic Catholic tradition is to have like a little tree in the house. So like you can have a smaller Christmas tree. You can buy these little tiny ones for just a couple dollars at the local store, you know, and you could put that, you know, in your living room somewhere. And it's just a, it's just a bear tree. And it's to remind you of this prophecy of the stump of Jesse, that out of the stump of Jesse, this, this branch and eventually this tree, this Messiah would come forth. And then what you could do is what children will do is they can draw little pictures of different scenes from the Bible and put those little pictures on the tree. So really simple, like, like Adam and Eve, you can have them draw, like, a, like my little three-year-old or five-year-old might draw a little apple to remember the story of Adam and Eve. And, and then maybe we tell the story of Noah and the ark, and then they draw like a little ark. And then what they do is that after they draw each drawing, you know, gradually as the weeks of Advent progress, they put each new drawing up on the tree and they hang it there. So it's very simple. You can be really elaborate. You can go online, just look on Jesse Tree on, you know, online, and you'll find a lot of elaborate different approaches to this, to the very simple to the more complex for older kids. But the idea is that you're trying to relive the story of salvation history and remember this prophecy, this important prophecy of the Jesse tree in Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, so a wonderful thing to do. Again, you can go, we'll put a link in the show notes and you can go online on yourself to look for these. But I'm going to tell you one fun story, one fun way 
the Sri family has has lived this out. Um, and Beth and I, we we did an, a, an episode on Advent last year, and I talked to you, or she brought it up actually. <laughs> she brought up the Doctor Sri's Advent cards. <laughs> Let me tell you about those. What uh, what I started to do way back when my first two kids were like two and four, I, I would want to walk through the story of the Bible in the season of Advent, which is, a, again, this is the time to do this. If there's ever a time to focus on the story of the Bible from Adam to Jesus, it's it's Advent season, right? Because that's the four weeks of Advent, symbolize the 4,000 years of biblical salvation history, right? So that's the whole idea here. We're, we're entering into that yearning for the Messiah. And I did it in a very simple way. And I would just get, I bought some three and a, three by five note cards and I I bought some three by five note cards and I would just draw little pictures of each of the six days of creation. And then I would draw a picture of Adam and Eve being put in the garden and then Adam and Eve eating from the tree and Adam and Eve being expelled from the garden. And I would just go on throughout from Adam to Noah, Abraham, all the way up to Christ. And these drawings are hysterical because I am a doctor, a theologian. I am not an artist. <laughs> and and, and I, I think some of my kids could draw a lot better than I could. So it's it, it's it's really funny to look at this. And my teenagers who, who went through this originally, they mock me now for these silly drawings, but the little kids love it. And they always ask me throughout Advent, Daddy, Daddy, can we do Advent cards tonight? And I'll just maybe just talk about the first day of creation or the first three days of creation. And, and I kind of just am marching through. These are just little handwritten drawings I did. Now, I don't expect you to draw, although if you drew, I'm sure it'd be better than my drawings. Maybe I'll put in the show notes a couple of silly examples of, of my drawing, these little advent cards. Um, but what, what you could do really simply is, you know, just buy a little children's Bible book. A very, you know, for little children, there's all these little Bible book that they, they just tell some of the stories like creation and Adam and Eve and Noah and the ark and Abraham and Moses and the 10 commandments and, you know, just simple little stories and just make it a point to go through each of those stories. And then as you do each story, maybe your child could draw one, like one element of that story, you know, one aspect of that story, very simply, and you put it on the Jesse tree. Because that's what we're doing. We're trying to then mark out this season. And your children are, are tangibly marking it out for remembering all the prophecies, all the stories of God's love and faithfulness and coming of the Messiah. And finally, when you get to the very end, like in the last few days before Christmas, then you can get to the story of the birth of Jesus and they can draw a little baby Jesus or a manger or a star and they can put that on and now they're all excited for the coming of Christmas. So I think that's another wonderful practical thing that we can do in the Advent season. A couple other things here, just briefly, the Christmas tree, you know, traditionally the Christmas tree was put up later in the Advent season, you know, like in the last week, in the last days. I know a lot of people put their Christmas tree up today right after Thanksgiving, you know, um, but I, I, you know, I just want you to know these traditionally was put up later. There was a connection with the Christmas tree and Christmas itself. I don't know if you know this, how this tradition started. In the 1400s in Germany, they had a, a day of remembering Adam and Eve on December 24th. What an what a, what a awesome thing that is, right? To remember Adam on December 24th and then the new Adam coming on December 25th. So they would, people in Germany in the 1400s would bring a tree into their home to remember Adam and the tree of paradise and the fall and his sin. But then on the 25th, 
they would remember the coming of Jesus. But what happened is there were some miracles associated with that tree. I don't know if you know the story, but it's fascinating that sometimes uh, in Germany in the 1400s, there was reports of fruit miraculously appearing on these trees uh, in their homes. And so that made this tradition of the Christmas tree very widespread because everyone wanted a tree in their home now. Um, And then what they started to do is add lights to the trees. So they'd have candles lit on a wooden frame put onto the tree on December 25th. So the idea is you remember Adam and the tree of paradise on December 24th, and then the light of the world symbolized by the candles on the tree symbolize the light of the world, Jesus coming on December 25th. So that was the original tradition there. And, you know, so I think there's something healthy about you know, delaying the celebration of the full Christmas tree thing and the lights and everything until later in, as you get closer to Christmas. Um, but whatever, whatever, wherever you decide to do it, you know, I'll tell you one thing we've done. Sometimes we've used our bear. We put up the Christmas tree right at the beginning of Advent and it was a, you know, a kind of, it served as our Jesse tree that the the kids would put up the the Jesse tree, you know, little symbols onto the main Christmas tree. So that served as our Jesse tree. That's one one thing we, we've done. And I'll admit that there's been sometimes due to travel and sickness and other things that we ended up putting up the tree earlier because we knew we would never get the tree and the kids would never enjoy the tree if we didn't do it earlier. So, you know, we can be flexible on these things, but I at least want you to know the original tradition is to, to delay the full-blown decorated lighted tree until as late as you can. Uh, so think about that as you think about your Christmas tree. You can certainly do a blessing of your Christmas tree as well. Uh, look up online for blessings of a Christmas tree. That's another great thing that you can put in. And I'll, I'll throw some examples in the show notes as well. Uh, St. Nicholas Day. That's a wonderful tradition. Do you do that on December 6th? St. Nicholas Day. This is uh, remembering the great bishop uh, in the early church who gave very generously to care for the poor. And so our kids will have stockings out above the uh, above the fireplace and they'll put their shoes out and we'll give them little gifts and little candies on December 6th. A wonderful thing to remember that. Uh, here's a really fun one. Uh, Las Posadas. Have you ever heard of Las Posadas? This is a, a great tradition in Santa Fe, New Mexico and other Hispanic communities where children will go around door to door dressed as characters from the Christmas story. So you'll see sheep and you'll see oxen and you'll see uh, shepherds and you'll see magi carrying their gifts. And so there'll be all these different characters from the Christmas story. And the most important ones, of course, are Mary and Joseph. And every child longs for the day that they could be chosen to be Mary or Joseph. And if you don't know this tradition, you know, look it up online, Las Posadas. Uh, check out, there's a great children's book on the story by Tommy DePaulo, one of my favorite children's authors. Tommy DePaulo has a book on Las Posadas and you can read that to your kids. But here's how it works. It works if you have friends or family in your neighborhood, especially. Maybe you can find creative ways to do this, uh, even if your friends and family are not exactly in the same neighborhood. But in, I'm blessed here in South Denver, right in our neighborhood. We got a number of great Catholic families, and we did this for so many years uh, in our little little neighborhood here, where we'd go to different houses of of each other, and the homeowner would be like the innkeeper. So all the children show up. Mary and Joseph knock at the door. The homeowner opens the door. They're the innkeeper. And Mary and Joseph say, we need a place to say my wife is having a baby. And then all of a sudden, one of the dads gets to dress up as a devil. <laughs> I've gotten to do that a bunch of times. And so the dad all of a sudden pops out of a bush, you know, or comes from running in from the backyard or uh, pops up out of out of a window or even at one time we had somebody on a roof <laughs> and, the, and the, he's dressed up as a demon and he's yelling at the innkeeper, no, no, don't let him in. Don't let him in. You don't have time for this. You're too busy or they don't have any money. Don't let him in. And then the innkeeper 
you know, is debating, should I go? And all the children are booing the devil, boo. And then the innkeeper and the end says, no, I'm not going to let you in. And then they have to go to a second house and the same thing happens. A third house, the same thing happens. And finally at the last house, the innkeeper says, yes. And all the children come in and there's a big singing and a big party on the inside. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, that's a great one that you can pull off if you live somewhat close to people. Maybe you could work it out driving to each other's houses. Uh, but check out Las Posadas. You can check out the book Tommy DePaulo to, to learn about that one. We'll put that in the show notes as well, that book by Tommy DePaulo. Last point here, and this is, this is one uh, I'm passionate about here, but also flexible you know, in our, in our modern age. But the idea I mentioned of, of Advent, of really setting this time apart, one of the best ways we can do that is with Advent hymns. Advent music. There's such a beautiful treasure of Advent hymns that we should be singing. And yet in this period, everyone's singing Joy to the World <laughs> and Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, well, well, it's not time to rejoice. There is no joy in the world in the weeks leading up to, to Christmas. The Savior hasn't come. It's not time to come, all ye faithful, because the baby Jesus isn't there. You know, so we really want to follow the church's lead. If we want to have a Catholic mindset, kind of cat, live Catholic culture well, follow the church's lead. You know, if you look at the liturgy, when you go to Mass, they're not singing those songs in the four weeks of Advent. We sing those songs starting on Christmas Eve and all the way through the Christmas season. There's whole 12 whole days of Christmas we get to celebrate and it goes all the way up to the, the baptism of Christ launching the beginning of the ordinary time cycle in the, in the liturgical year. But I want to share with you something from that, that uh, liturgical theologian I shared with you last week, Abbot Dom Guéranger in his book, The Liturgical Year. He says, the church during Advent suppresses the angelic canticle, glory to God in the highest. For this glorious song was sung at Bethlehem over the crib of the divine babe. The tongues of the angels are not loosened yet. The virgin has not brought forth her divine treasure. It is not yet time to sing. It is not even true to say, glory to God in the highest. <laughs> I, I love this little line here. So, the, you know, the church, we withdraw the, the Gloria in, in these weeks of Advent. We don't sing the Gloria. Why? Because that song was sung at Christmas. It's a Christmas song. The angels are rejoicing that the Savior's been born. Uh, it's not time. The birth hasn't happened yet. It's not time to sing. I love what Garen Jay say, says. He says, it's not even true to say glory to God in the highest. It's not true. It's not appropriate right now. Uh, so, I think this is a wonderful time to fill our mind, fill our homes, fill our children with great Advent music in this season. They'll get their Christmas music all during the latter part of Advent and into the 12 days of Christmas. But right now, we want to fill our mind with songs that, that are all about Advent. You know, let me give you a couple examples. You can easily find these online. Uh, you can go to iTunes if you want like traditional Advent, just simple Advent hymns. Uh, check out Advent Promise. Uh, you can go to iTunes and find that or online. I'm sure you could find that as well. Advent Promise is a, a great collection, great album of Advent hymns. Um, if you like the more traditional chant style, you can check out Advent at Ephesus. This is done by Benedictine Sisters outside of Kansas City. I think they're in Missouri. Um, and and they, they have a number of CDs, a number of albums out. And uh, they're Advent at Ephesus. 
synopsis. This is is excellent. If you like that kind of music, maybe you like more contemporary music. Check out Matt Marr. He's got a, a recent Advent uh, album out. It's called Advent of Christmas by Matt Marr. One of my favorite ones to listen to is Handel's Messiah. Did you know that Handel's Messiah was St. John Paul II's favorite piece of music? It was his favorite piece of music. He loved the music, but he also loved the story that was told, the story that that musical piece told. Because what, what Handel's Messiah is all about is the story of salvation history. You know, I was blessed once to be with JP2 in a, it was, it was a kind of like an invite only thing. Now there was a couple thousand people there, but still it was, it was a smaller, you know, little audience hall. And, uh, I was with him on, I, I think it was maybe his birthday or anniversary of his priesthood. I forget what it was, but the, the nation Austria gave John Paul II a gift. And the gift was to have the Vienna orchestra and choir come down and do a performance of his favorite musical piece on his birthday or anniversary of his priesthood. I forget, again, I forget which when it was, but they came down and did Handel's Messiah. And I was with JP2 and I just remember watching him and you could tell he was so into it. You know, he'd have his hand on his shoulder. He's really listening. You could tell he's meditating. His head is bobbing up and down, really getting into the music, but really reflecting on the words because all the words come right out of the Bible, especially the first half of Handel's Messiah is all from scripture and all those prophecies like that Isaiah prophecy about the stump of Jesse, the Jesse tree prophecy and, and, and many others. And, and so you can enter into the spirit of Advent with uh, great music like Handel's Messiah or contemporary music like Matt Marr. You can go to chant, you can go to traditional Advent hymns, but really bring this into your home and, and realize that to sing joy to the world in Advent is, is kind of like singing Jesus Christ is risen today during Lent. You just wouldn't do that, <laughs> you know? So now again, don't get me wrong. You, you got to be human about this. You're going you're gonna to go to Christmas parties. You're going to go to the mall and you're going to hear the songs on and, you know, do you want to fight every battle, you know, and be like the Advent song Nazi leader, <laughs> you know, you know, ruling out everything else, you know, you know, let, let's, let's try our best. I, I just want to share with you the tradition of bringing Advent hymns in, uh, into the home, into your own life in this season. It could be another way to try to enculturate this season. And that's what this is all about. Catholic culture is, is, you know, the Catholic faith is incarnational and people that are truly alive in the Catholic faith, they just shape everything around them. They shape their family life. They shape their work. They shape the music they listen to. They shape their entertainment. They shape their leisure with the gospel. And so let's use this Advent season to shape our homes, to shape the mind and hearts of our children. Let's use it with all these different kinds of traditions. And there's many more that I'm sure you could go find, you know, I'm just sharing with you a few here, uh, but let's really try to incarnate our faith and enter into that excitement like little Eleanor has. Is it Christmas yet? That's what we should be instilling, not, oh, it's Christmas already. It, no, is it Christmas yet? That expectation, that longing of Advent. Let's enter into that, my friends. Check out those show notes. Again, if you want to get those show notes, you need to go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. So go to ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic, and you can subscribe to those show notes, and you'll be able to get a number of these prayers and some links and other resources so that you can build Catholic community in your family life. So thanks so much for listening. And you can find more information uh, about my work at edwards3.com. You can also go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And may God bless you. May you have a blessed Advent season.